you ever heard a strange noise in the middle of the night? Ever seen something you couldn't quite explain? What's that? Ever been visited by a loved one in a dream? What are you? Psychic mediums Katie Manning and Michelle Lyons-Polito talk about it all. Welcome to the Psychic on the Scene podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Psychic on the Scene. And with me, as always, our producer and wonderful friend, D. Scott. Hi. And also with me, my dear friend, and psychic medium, Michelle Lyons-Polito. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Michelle, by the way, somebody just said that they saw you the other day and they were like so excited that they met you out. Oh my God. Uh, it must've been at a psychic fair. They had to message me and let me know. And um, we have an old friend and um, somebody, it's been a minute since we have, um, have spoken, um, but tonight was a request that Michelle and I have gotten quite often about animal communication. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to turn it over to Michelle to introduce our amazing friend and guest. We are so excited to have Leah Bowden here with us tonight. Uh, We've known her for many years. She does beautiful spirit portraits. Is that? I call them soul journey energy portraits, but they are definitely portraits. portraits of a person's spirit. Oh my goodness. And that's the first time I think I ever connected with Leah. And I have the one she did for me still here in a spot of honor in my house. And we were chatting, um, you know, Carol Chick Owens, and I don't know, we were back and forth a little bit. And it came up that you do um, work with animal communication. So that's what we asked you to be on to talk about today, because we have so many questions that people send in asking about connecting with their uh, dearly departed animals and also trying to communicate with the animals that we have in our homes with us now. Right. Right. So Leah, how did you get started with, or did you always have the ability to communicate with animals? I, I don't know if I always had it, but I didn't, I didn't start doing it until gosh, I think it was somewhere in, the early 2000s or the late 1990s. Um, I remember I had a dog who had some problems. I and I didn't know what to do for her, so I um, okay. I actually looked up animal communicators. I found a wonderful woman named Neda, N-E-D-D-A, Wittels, who still is an animal communicator. And over the phone, she read my dog. Wow. Through wow. me. And I learned, oh, look at this. This is possible. So, right. so yeah. And so um, I actually began doing animal communication as an offshoot of work that I did when my son went to college. I have one child, one wonderful child. <laughs> he's not, he's now 46. Um, oh. when, when he went off to college, I remember going into his room and sitting on his bed and crying yeah. as I know other women have done before me. And I oh, thought, God. Oh my God, he's not dead. He's only in Delhi. <laughs> <laughs> Which for people who are not from upstate New York is pronounced Delhi and it's a there's a college in Delhi New York so I thought I sat there and I thought immediately I need horses that I knew it I needed horses Mm -hmm. well it happened that I knew a guy who had a stable not far from where I lived out on Maple Avenue in Glenville and I, I I yep Paul and I called him up and I told him what was happening and he said well okay we could 
you know, I could use your help feeding in the morning and in the evening. Mm. Okay. So every morning and every evening at 7, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., I went out to these horses and I fed them. And while I fed them, I hugged them. Mm. And that hugging those huge bodies was so healing. And so I did that for a while. And then I met someone else who had horses. I went to her stable out in Charlton. It's no longer a stable. Um, And I was grooming and feed. I wasn't feeding, but I was grooming. Mm -hmm. And one day I happened to notice in the tack room, there was a book on tape. And the book on tape was titled something like How to Communicate with Animals. And I so regret that I didn't write down the name of the author because I've forgotten who it is. I've asked Penelope Smith, the best known animal communicator probably in the world. I've asked a number of other people. Nope, they didn't write it. I don't know who it was, but Mm -hmm. I this book. And because I was a lifelong meditator and I was already experienced in connecting with the divine, and in right. expanding my sensory reality out on all sides of me, I knew how to do these easy five steps. So I did the five steps. And the next day, I went into her stable and I was grooming. And I was grooming a horse. There were two horses who were pregnant. Oh. They were named Allie and Springer, and they were attached uh-huh. to the hip. And as I and as I was grooming, Al, what was it Allie Springer? She was the younger. This was her first pregnancy. I was grooming her, and I said, like I always did to her, "Oh, Springer, your baby is growing. She's going to be so beautiful." And I did what the tape had recommended. I listened, and I listened, and what I heard in my head was this: "I don't want this baby." <laughs> And it was, it was a real voice. It was just like one of you said to me about your pregnancy, I don't want this baby. There was no difference between what I would have heard from a person and what I heard from this. Right, baby. right. Oh, Not a language wow. barrier. Right. No I, I language understand. barrier. Right. And I understood I had, I had to respond as I would to a person. I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Why? And she said, uh, Allie told me it's not good. So I said, well, I'm so sorry. And I, I said other nice things to her. I finished grooming her, went back, got Allie out, put her in the cross ties, mm-hmm. started grooming her. And I said, Allie, Springer tells me that you told her that having a baby isn't good. Why is that? And she said, because they leave you. Because these were breeder mares. Right. They were bred to have foals who would then. I told the owner of the the, the horse's owner and she was devastated because this was, I don't know if it was all she did as a living, but it was certainly, you know, part of what she did as a living. So I left, I left it with her, but that, those are my first two animal communication histories which you'll never forget you'll never never, ever forget never because it's it's one of those things it's like so profound it's literally 
like like kind of like what you're saying the auditory of it it's so clear that you're mm -hmm. almost in disbelief that the voice or the information when it comes in like that is so clear again uh -huh. it's it's there's no question you right. said something you said i learned the five steps what yeah. were the suggested five steps i'll tell you what they are here's what okay. you do Number one, you picture the word hello inside your head. Now, picture it as if it were a printed word. The font, whether it's one with serifs or no serifs, is it big and black or is it red or is it curly Q and purple? You picture that word hello in your head. Now, meanwhile, you're with your animal, either right next to you or, yeah, sort of like right next to you. <coughs> So you picture the word hello, then you picture the word hello on your forehead. Again, specific, you can see it and you can feel it. Then you picture the word hello on the tip of your nose. Then you picture hello on your shoulder. Then you picture it on your elbow and then on your hand. And then you put your hand on your animal and you see the word hello move right onto your animal, whether it's the shoulder or the head or the flank, wherever. Now, here's the tricky part. Have you ever played Trivial Pursuit? Mm -hmm. All right. You know that with Trivial Pursuit, the first thing that comes into your mind is the answer. Because yeah, if yeah. you go, oh, that couldn't possibly be it. Yeah, that's yeah. always it. The first thing that you're aware of, whether it's a song, a memory, a word, a feeling, an mm -hmm. itch, that's the response of the animal. Oh. And you take it from there. If it's an itch, you scratch the itch and you say to the animal, would you like me to scratch you? Where, where does it itch? Where does it scratch? Oh, if it's I a, love that. If it's a song... You sing the song and you say, yeah, I, I, I like that song or whatever. You respond as, again, as if it were a person, because there is absolutely no difference in the consciousness and the ability to communicate between people and animals. Because right, their perception is you are communicating with soul. That's right. It. And, and that's no different. Language. Right. And that's no different than if you are. Um, like in my case, if I have family members that come to shows or they, I'm, I'm sitting with them that speak a different language and they will say to me, they'll be worried. They'll say, well, my, my family is, um, Lebanese or they're whatever. And, and would you understand them? And I said, you don't have to worry about that right. because right. it's it, when they realize that there's a language barrier, they mm -hmm. don't, they speak mind to mind. That's right. It's telepathy. So I never even thought of that with animals, but that is so interesting and so helpful um, yeah. with our pets and with our animals. And years ago, um, I think it's fascinating that you, because I always think of you as being very shamanic, you're, mm -hmm. you're much more evolved than the average Joe. And you, you did it yeah. way before anybody else was doing this, <laughs> my friend. So um, Barb Nesnick years ago said, the only thing that can heal a healer is horses. Oh, Those yes, big animals take that stress from us and without any kind of like worry or anything, they just take it away from us. They're one of the only things that people that are empaths and healers can like put their hands on and really feel like, okay, I'm grounded again. 
Mm. Oh, that's very interesting. I have I have such respect for Barb. You know, Barb Nesnick is such a gifted, intuitive healer, yes. uh, herbalist, and she is so generous with her with her knowledge and her wisdom. She gives her all to everything yes. that, that she cares about. But and it was one of those one. things that I just thought was so interesting. And then, of course, she adopted two horses out of the blue mm-hmm. yeah, um, with no like ways or means. And she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to have two horses. I can remember <laughs> like the day that it happened. And she's like, I've got horses now. And like the one would like get loose. Like he knew he was supposed to be there, Jack. Jack he knew yeah. he was supposed to be there. And like he would go to her bedroom window and like yeah. wait for her, like get up. Yeah. <laughs> and she adopted them. So um, yeah, I've always thought that was such a fascinating statement. And any families that I have with young people that are indigo kids that might be having like high stress or high issues with empathy in school, one of the things I say to them is if you have a farm near you, mm-hmm. um, see if they need extra hands. Have your child go and muck the stables and 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 stroke the horses the and horses. Right, that because it really does seem to help them with all that frayed energy have you in your ability to do like readings and and um working with clients are you finding because now you're open to it that along with maybe their family members that you're getting their their animals and spirit as well when you mean when i'm working let's say when i'm doing an energy portrait with a person that i get their animal i i sometimes get i think the answer is no actually but what Mm -hmm. i do sometimes experience is the presence of a companion being now in the case of one woman who has a very close relationship with uh saint germain Mm -hmm. saint germain appeared as part of the session and he appeared and, and then he said, wait a minute, I have to go. And sh- I have to go and change my outfit. And I told her this and she said, yes, he's very vain. He keeps on changing his clothes. Wow. So because so, I, I mean, I finished the portrait of her and then he want I wanted to do the portrait of him. And he said, wait a minute, I have to go and change. That's hysterical. <laughs> That's, hysterical. <laughs> That's awesome. And sure enough, he did. Uh, another another being that I found um, was a dragon in mm-hmm. the in the portrait of a young Asian woman. Mm-hmm. He was a dragon. Interesting. Yes. And um, I also have had companion beings pop up in some portraits that I've done of animals because I do the the uh, the I do the portraits of animals as well in addition to doing the animal communication animal oh. communication is different in my process than doing an energy portrait of an animal how is that different for you well when I'm doing a soul energy portrait a soul journey energy portrait I look at the crown chakra I look then at the other chakras and I get Mm -hmm. messages and images for each chakra. Mm. When I'm doing an animal communication, I'm addressing the animal's consciousness directly. Interesting. Okay. And so so it's different. Um, It's very different. But I want to get back to the horses for a minute. You know, there is this old adage, the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a person. Of course, mm-hmm. that's a simplistic way of saying just be with the horse, pet the horse, and that's fine. Right. There is also a form of physical therapy called hippotherapy, mm-hmm. in which a physical therapist puts a person on the horse 
and just walking the walking the horse with the person doing various simple exercises while on the horse is very healing. I know a person here yeah. who does it, um, and she finds great success with people who young people who have um, uh, physical challenges that they can't communicate, and they get off the horse and they can say a word, for example. Wow! Wow! Yeah, it's it's really tremendous. Well, we now, know. Are you back in? I'm sorry. Are you back in the Albany area or are you oh, in? No, I'm, I'm living in uh, Northern California. Okay. Right. Okay. I wasn't sure if you moved back. So. No, I no. didn't. I, I try to get back every year, but I still don't know when this year I'm coming back. Hopefully in May, but maybe not. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, what I was starting to say was um, with your energy work, um, how far back does that go for you with the energy portraits, which to I, me, you are like the, the, uh, like basically like the person that um, really has brought that to the forefront um, for so many people. And it was watching you work and mm -hmm. do those energy portraits has been absolutely amazing, really life-changing in so many ways, watching you and, um, and listening to you, it's, it's so involved when, when you used to come in and do it for the students, yeah. um, in my class, they, everybody loved it. Mm -hmm. And it was always so fascinating to see what you got because there were things that you got that were, um, maybe something that somebody never shared before or, um, never claimed. And because you're just seeing it like in their portrait, that it was really, you could see like, yeah, like they owned it finally. Yeah. So I can, I'm so glad that you brought that up. So number one, when, when did I start doing them? Um, I think I started doing them in 1998. Um, I was working with an, a very talented energy healer in Schenectady who prefers anonymity. So it, I will not name him, but he, he was extremely powerful. He was doing energy work on me and he would say, oh, there's this beautiful seafoam green coming out of your heart chakra. Can you see it? And I would say, no, I can't see that stuff. <laughs> well, one day he, he had been having some heart problems and he knew that I had just bought four pastel sticks. That is the water-based chalk mm -hmm. that are called yep. pastels and four or five pieces of pastel paper. Because every time I went to Arlene's to get anything, I would look at these pieces of paper and think, oh, I have to, I have to do something with them. So, so he said, next week, I want you to look at my energy field and paint what you see. I said, I don't do that, but okay. So, I, and I think it was 1998. So I, I, after he worked on me, which he had been doing for several years at this point, I, um, we went into the dining room. I turned the lights down so that I wouldn't be distracted by actual 3D reality. Mm -hmm. And I looked at his heart and I said, you know, I don't see a thing. That is with my physical eyes, I didn't see a thing. But I said, if there were a color, it would be pink and there would be a little bit of green over here. And he nodded mm -hmm. his head and he said, well, what about here? And he pointed to all of his chakras and I described what I thought there would be if there were colors there. Because again, I wasn't seeing it with my physical eyes. Mm -hmm. And he right. said, you've, you've described it all perfectly. Now go next week, I'll, we'll do it again. And you'll, and you'll paint it using those chalks that you just brought. And I did. And that was my first energy portrait. Oh my goodness. Wow. Now, when it began, I thought it was just, haha, just art. 
art isn't ever just art, but that right. fixed it. And it took about, it took several months of doing these before I began hearing things in my head or feeling sounds rising up into my throat and knowing that I couldn't say no to one part of the process. It was a whole thing. And so when I began hearing sounds like this, I had to do it. And I thought, oh, people are going to freak out. But no one had freaked out. So, no, no right. So, so the one then, time you did it in our class, you were chanting and it was yes. so... Um, methodical. I don't know if Michelle was there for that class and it, it was, was so methodical that it was like, right. It was mesmerizing. Like it wasn't off putting at all. And in fact, it kind of, it, I, the only way I can say it is like, it made sense for right. what, who you were working on or what you were doing. It made sense. Like you could feel it like, oh yeah, that's right. I don't know why, but it just felt like it was right. Yeah. Thank like you. Tuning fork. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's real, like tuning fork. So, and by the way, if people listening to this want to hear examples of this chanting, I have a page on my website, lightspeak.com, L-I-G-H-T-S-P-E-A-K.com, um, where you can hear samples of the chanting and you see samples of the energy portraits. And there are also sample animal communication readings there. Oh. As well. So, Wonderful. Yeah, so, and we'll make sure that Dee links that so okay. that people can see that and, and reach out to you. Have you ever had somebody lose an animal and you had to do um, yeah. like a lost animal? I've done lots of lost animal readings. Um, I don't know if any of them have been successful except for two, which I know were successful. Mm -hmm. I have looked online and I've seen that there are quite a few animal communicators who say they do not do lost animal communication because it's mm -hmm. so hard. One of the reasons that it's hard is that sometimes it can be hard to see if an animal is still on the body or right. not. Right. Now, when an animal, when a cat specifics, particularly when a cat has just died, I find it pretty common that what I experience is I go into this space and like the, the light is amber and it mm. looks like a big amber cave with a lot of cats just hanging out there. I think it's like Bardo or mm. I'm not Catholic. There's a term for um, the, the space between uh, purgatory. purgatory, purgatory, but it's not a bad place. There's no right. pain. It's a waiting room. Yeah. And they're waiting for the process of their soul to bring them to their next job or their next phase. If an animal has been dead more than a couple of days, then I might see the animal very happy, skipping around, being in a hill, playing with bunnies. Now, if, if someone has lost their animal and I see this happy scene, I don't know whether it means the animal is simply off playing somewhere and having a good time or not. Now, sometimes my anim the lost animals have said to me, I need to be by myself for a while. I will come back when I'm Interesting. Yeah. Um, but recently I did a reading for a guy who had lost um, an animal. I think it was a dog. And I described what I saw. I, I, he, I said, if you could tell me the address that you live in, that you live in, you think the animal is somewhere around, then I bring up Google Maps, Google Earth, mm -hmm. yeah. and, I, and I look at it. And I pinpoint exactly where I'm getting the sense that the animal is now sitting. Wow. And then I open up 
Google Maps and I'll say, oh, I see there's a red barn, there's a white roof. But sometimes if I'm talking to the animal, the animal is alive, the animal is somehow trapped. The animal can't see what's above. The animal is showing me right. something that's at eye level. And I also explain that to people. So it's very iffy to, to find a lost animal. There are some people who, who um, specialize in lost animal I know uh, we don't yep. have many in the uh, that were in the Northeast. No, um, because we would get asked about that all the time. But I'm sure, probably south or even like where you are in California, that there's probably more of that, um, or maybe it's more accepted. I will tell you a little um, trick or a little thing I do because I obviously work with people. Yeah, years ago, my mother gave me a book, and the book was called um, Psychic Detective. And the author was Noreen Rainier. And she was like, she, I don't even know if she's still alive, but she was very well known for working on cases. And what she discovered was when she was working on things that were missing person or um, like murder cases, she could say to her higher self, take me up 10 feet, take mm -hmm. me up from where that body is yeah. or that, that being is take me up and give me a bird's eye view. Maybe take me up 20 feet, move me down the road so that she could get a better objective, like leaving kind of like leaving the, the body, like the, the soul body. And I kept thinking to myself, wow, that's pretty amazing. So she, and she says in the book, all you have to do is ask. Mm -hmm. So one of the first times I was working on a case and I was sitting in the department, I was at the police station and I actually said to my higher self, all right, bring me up so I can see this road uh, better. And by God, they did it. And I got a better perspective mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with emotion. It was ju just like you're talking about, like a Google map, but it was like a psychic Google map being able to right. look around and, and be able to tell the police officers, I'm seeing this over to this, this side of the road. I see this like a ditch on this side of the road. And um, without having anything present in front of me, it was spot on. So they mm -hmm. will do it for you if you're if you're working like that. Um, it 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 actually didn't take very much training for it at all. What a great idea! I'm going to try that next time it comes up. I, I want to bring up something um, that people might be very interested to know about animal communication. Um, a lot of people who listen to your program, I'm sure, are podcast. I'm so old. I use the program. No, that's fine. Okay. Are people <laughs> interested in? in spiritual development, as well as psychic development. Right. And it, it struck me as I was, I want to read you just a little part of a reading I did a while ago of a rabbit. Okay. Mm, yes. Because what I find, what, what I, one of the things I love about doing this work is that I'm talking to souls on a very high soul level. Right. Um, when, when I'm talking to an animal. So, Let's see. Um, okay, so I was talking to a rabbit and I asked, uh, is there a message that you can give to your people that will help them through this time when so many people are scared? This is what I wrote now because I write all of them out. Byron laughs in appreciation and excitement and he says, 
Oh, this time is glorious. It is the fall of the cruelty of separation and the beginning of the life of greater unity on earth. Love will be a commodity that more people allow themselves to share, and the new world will be so much more beautiful spiritually than the last, which has held all of you in thrall for so long. I can hear a crescendo of joy waiting to express itself in the world. That's incredible. How perfect, by the way, for, you know, with Easter, literally right around the corner. That's right. And And also there was a horse that I read. Um, That's beautiful, by the way. Wasn't that beautiful? A horse that I was connecting with. And as soon as I opened up my mind to this horse, this is what I heard in my head. I welcome you in the name of all divine beings. How may I be Mm. of service? Oh, my goodness. So that I gives me chills. I know. I want to encourage people to learn about or to, to, to learn about and do animal communication, if only to experience that soul level of communication and an open heart. Now, that said, I was working with an editor on the book that I have written that I'm waiting to be published. Ooh, um, wonderful. And, and Congratulations. Book, yeah, thank you. And the book on animal communication. And she said, You know, a lot of what you're talking about here is what people can get out of animal communication as opposed to what we can do for the animals. And she said, I think that a lot of animal advocates may find this off-putting, thinking that you are advocating, let's use these animals for our own spiritual growth. Hmm. And of course, that's not what I mean. Of course Uh, no. No. No, but it, it is, uh, it's a true thing. Yes, I love helping the animals and that's great when I know that a horse is off for feed because it's sour or an elephant won't go onto the hay that's been put there for her comfort because there are little crawling things that bite her. Yes, mm-hmm. I love being able to help the animals, but the, the, the byproduct is also this tremendous spiritual beauty that you are in in the flow with when you're talking to animals don't you find in general that i mean i'm an animal person i always feel very connected like if i have to go to someone's house and i don't really want to go i'll walk in and there's a dog or a cat i'm like oh thank god <laughs> yeah. so happy but you know um i have found in my dealings with all of my animals and other people's animals. I just feel like they're at a higher spiritual level than us. They seem to get it. And they're self-sacrificing. What I've experienced along those lines is this finally came to me. Human beings are capable of great elevated thoughts and spiritual actions, but human beings come with a package that has an ego and Mm. the ego's job is to protect us at all costs. And so what we find ourselves doing sometimes is lying to save face or pretending in other ways that we may not think of as lying, pretending. Animals are incapable of pretense. Right. Mm. What you see is what you get. So yep. a, you know, a, dog, a, a dog will defecate on your bed if it's the only way 
he can get you to take him out for a walk <laughs> to let you know that he's not happy that you left him alone for eight hours. Sarah, <laughs> so my daughter, Sarah, who's very connected to animals, she was watching her stepbrother's dog. And she said, every time I left the house, um, Sadie would leave her revenge shit. Yeah. And she, <laughs> said, she said, the second I'd leave, she goes, I know that that dog was mad that I was leaving the house. And boom, there it was every single time. So <laughs> right. I never heard it called that. And, and Sarah, and of course, Sarah's spent enough time with the dog but yeah she's saying the dog left me a revenge crap um i have a question so so many times when we are doing meditations um and we're we're whether it's shamanic journeying or just regular meditations you are led to like the underworld and and when i say underworld to our listeners it doesn't mean anything negative it just means it's like basically below ground and it's Mm -hmm. the earthy um beings and animals and we usually see our spirit animals is there any correlation with pets as well as spirit animals or do you get anything like that like say you're reading for a family like reading doing spirit communication do you ever see um, spirit guides or that are in the, you know, guise of an animal, or do you actually see other animals that have passed within the home? So little Jasper is playing with all the other dogs that have been there. Um, I think not. Okay. What I, when I, when I'm reading an animal and the animal is having a problem of some sort, sometimes I see another animal, not specifically, it's my last dog, Rosie, who was a rescued yellow lab. Rosie died. Rosie sometimes comes in Mm -hmm. and and heals, offers a healing to the dog that I am working with. And what I do to the in, in part of the reading is I describe what she's doing. Sometimes she comes down and she lies down or she starts licking the dog in a certain place. And the dog will then express and I see the dog's chakras bloom and and the dog is feeling much better. So my this old dog of mine, this who is no longer in a body, comes and she does, I guess I call it a shamanic healing. Um, yeah. I, I, I use that word with great sensitivity and partially because, of course, I've been trained. You don't bandy that word around. Um, so and I've also experienced it with cats where one cat will not necessarily one of my own cats, but one, where a cat will come. Often the archetype cat will appear mm. and and simply explain to me what's going on with my client cat. So Interesting. Right. It, it is fascinating. I learned. So it is kind of like, I guess, in, in my parameter, that it is kind of like a spirit animal. I think there's a lot of animals that we have ourselves. I refer to as soul animals. Like you can have pets that you love and they and they give love and you love them. And you have other ones that are soul pets that clearly either teach you a lesson or they were they were sent here basically for something for us to learn or or gain and that sounds like like with your rosie that would have been like a soul animal doing the work along with you even now that's really interesting oh that is so true and i'll tell you that i got rosie when i was i think i was i don't know 65 and I had many animals before then. I had been married. I had a child. And one day I was lying on the rug with Rosie. And all of a sudden, I felt my heart open 
Mm. more than it ever had opened. I felt love pouring through me more than I ever had felt. So I called my ex-husband and I called my son and I apologized. (laughs) Oh my God, I think I can love more now. And Mm. we love love people as much as we can, but animals Mm. are also there to expand our sense of the wonder of love and light in the world. They are amazing creatures that give just endless amounts of unconditional love. I just talked about the one time I was at Michelle's house and Michelle does amazing Reiki. She doesn't do it as often as she probably should. And um, she got me out of her table and she said, hey, don't be surprised if my cats show up while I'm doing work. (laughs) And out of nowhere, her cat came and draped itself like across my legs and basically helped with the healing session and yeah. uh, with the crystals, like move the crystals around the and crystals, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, y- you know, you definitely um, in, in your case, especially Michelle, your yours work with you. They, they do really that. do. Oh, and they, they like when I'm doing readings in my home, I always key off of and read off my animals, um, especially my male cat, Bert. He's a tuxedo kitty, black and white. And where he sits or if he's present or not present for the reading and which way he's facing, those are all messages for me. Yeah. And, wow. and so I listen carefully. Yep. Very oh, carefully. Yeah. And he's yeah. the one. And he, although he's a little mad at me now because we have a puppy. So <laughs> I'll lift her Years, up. When up. I first started doing um, readings, I never had thought of myself, uh, Leah, as having ability with animals and, I had gone to a house. It was a very, very haunted house over in Albany. Um, the client's name was Sheila. And I'd been there before where she had things like turning on and off. But whenever I'd go to readings, um, back when I first started, um, I would bring my rosary. And I basically had done it because it was like a sense of like focus and protection for myself. So I would take out my rosary as I was getting ready and I'd put it on like the couch between myself and the client. And Every time I did it, if the person had a cat, the cat would come from nowhere (laughs) and steal, literally try and pick up, steal and take off with my rosary to the point that the owners would be like, oh my goodness, I don't know why they're doing that. So (laughs) one of the last times I did it, I was at this client, Sheila's house, we're sitting on her couch and I had taken out my rosary and her big cats came out of nowhere. So we, I actually thought maybe the, the actual beads on the rosary, maybe they had been like anointed with something, nothing, but Mm -hmm. um, that the cats were so drawn to it. So I had to keep fighting with the kittens, the cats and put the, (laughs) put my rosary away, which had been a gift from my father. He used to wear it when he was the Marine Corps. And so I put it away in my purse and the cat curled up with me while I was talking to the owner and I was talking to, and I kept getting jaw pain. And I said, are you experiencing head or jaw or ear pain? And she kept going, no. I said, um, that might be a person that in spirit, I said, this is really intense pain, blah, Mm. blah, blah. Didn't think too much about it. Left the house a day later, her cat was not moving. It was, um, like completely out. She thought the cat had died, took the cat to the doctor. And they said, uh, no, your cat has vertigo. It has a severe ear infection. It's not like gone down the jaw. So I'm sitting there petting the cat, not thinking I'm reading this animal, but I was actually experiencing the same physical pain. 
Right. She said, you said, you, she said, you actually, she said, I have you on tape saying, I'm feeling this in my ear down. She said, that's what was the matter with the cat. And she yeah. so basically had come and was trying to tell me. So it made me more aware when I was getting things like that, like, oh, um, don't be so like egocentric that it's just going to be human energy that you're reading it's probably some of these other beings that are just as strong in the house or the family that's right and speaking of cats i want to say something else that i thought was fascinating um years ago i went to i went to a uh, a talk by oh my god i'm forgetting her name famous new age writer she founded Bear and Company Publishing. Okay, I can't remember. But she wrote books on the, the dimensions. And she said, cats live in the fifth dimension. Mm. Okay, so that's factoid number one. Then I'm doing readings on cats. And I did a, a reading of a woman, a woman's a friend's cat. And the cat said that she was having trouble navigating through the woman's the space in which the cat lived because there were things blocking her path. So we can look at a, at a, at a floor and let's say there's a piece of a toy over there and something over there and something over there, but we don't have a problem. We just walk around them. But if the, if the toy is, or something, a box is in the cat's pathway the cat can't walk around it. The cat is walking in another dimension and oh. needs her and is frustrated because she, she can't get past that. Even though in the, th the three dimensions that we're looking at, it looks like there are no blocks. So that's another way in which cats, in, in which cats are much more sensitive to things that we might not even be aware of. Well, and look at cats just, I'm sure Michelle's had this too, where um, a family member passes away mm. and they will say um, that cat now every single night is going to one corner or one door and there's nothing there. It's not like there's bugs or a shadow or anything. And the cat is fixated on it. Yep. We're yep. talking to it and um, like doing the cat cry. And they know, like the rest, and then maybe there's two other cats, and the other two cats don't do it at all. But it's particularly the one cat that is fixated, yeah. and they just seem to know that there's spirit energy there, and that they're giving that a lot of attention. And it really kind of alerts the owners. Like every person yeah. that's ever told me about it, they don't just dismiss it. They'll say, "I I know that my mom is here." because mm. the cat keeps doing this yeah. and like that was her favorite cat or whatever, or maybe mm -hmm. they adopted the cat from the mother, her, her passing, but that the cat is registering this like consistently over and over again. So cats, some dogs do it. And I know other animals, but cats seem to really have it down. Maybe that's why the Egyptians had it as, um, as their as symbol. Right. Right. And the tradition of, of witches is that witches have cats. Right. That whole oh, intuitive, intuitive connection. Right. Yeah, they're familiar. When my right. dad was in hospice, uh, my parents had, uh, we had him in in-home hospice. We kept him close. And we had a cat named Miss Kitty. And she was a rescue. Every animal we've ever had has been a rescue. And she, she rescued us as well as us rescuing her. And right. when my father got sick, she was with him constantly, did not leave mm. him. Now, the, the day he was, the day he passed, she got up and went to the other room. And I've seen this often. Um and it's almost as though she was giving us space. And when I walked in, when my father was still conscious, he was communicating with 
animals that were our beloved pets and animals loved my dad, they were coming for him. And she stepped aside because I think that she thought she would hold him to the earth plane. And then years later, unfortunately, she had a kidney disease. And, my, you know, my mother's like, I just want her, you know, she's getting ready to pass. I don't want to have the vet come. I want, I don't want her scared. I just want her to pass. And we knew she was going to, and I had to go home for a while. And I, she had the idea. She put a picture of my father next to the cat. And within five minutes, she crossed over. Wow. Oh, beautiful things. My mother's like, I don't want her. I don't want the vet to come because, you know, we have a vet to come. And that night I had a dream and my dad was on the his favorite spot on the couch. And there must have been, I think we must have had 10 cats in my lifetime. And the three dogs were up there with him. It was incredible. Right. I, I want to, um, I want to bring up something else. It doesn't have to do with cats, but I think, Oh, I know. I thought of it when you were talking about the rosary. So I had a client uh, from upstate New York. She mm-hmm. had, she was mourning the loss of her dog. The mm. dog's name was Cinnamon. Okay. And, and um, this dog had, she didn't have any children, but the, the dog was like her child. Right. And so I looked into what was happening and Cinnamon was, a, she was fine in, in her non-embodied life. And she was <laughs> talking to me and um, my client had, had said something about playing with a ball and how Cinnamon loved the ball. Mm. And Cinnamon said to me, I didn't love the ball. It was that it, her energy, my dear beloved person's energy was on the ball. Oh. Because the oh, person wow. was throwing the ball. And so sometimes when we, we're looking for um, our animals to come to us again and hoping yes. that they will come to us again, I know that some people say that it happens. And what animals have I said. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> was is that well I'll I might try but it might be that my whole soul purpose is a little different this time and so mm. I might not be the exact I won't have the memories that I had but to think about the objects that you share with your animals that if mm-hmm. they seem to love a particular thing it might be the thing but it could also be that your energy is on it mm. right yeah yep. that's so a, that's actually really fascinating because I do think that we get just like with kids that the, but our pets train us oh yeah so yeah, yeah, oh, they're, yeah. they're training us <laughs> to play with the ball and we're like he loves this ball and it's like well probably if you didn't have to do that like over and over again for them <laughs> right they wouldn't right. care if you were just giving them belly rubs but it's that is a, that's an interesting note of that yeah. um do you have a lot of clients um that have you come back for their other animals to make sure like it's okay in the household? Oh yeah. After, oh, okay. Oh yeah. I have clients who ask me to look to connect with the surviving animals when one animal has passed. And so mm-hmm. I, I've got to think that that's really important. How is that, you know, how are they doing? And sometimes I'll, I'll, they ask me if let's say a dog named Spot has died. And prior to that, a dog named Peggy had died. They'll say, could you ask Spot if he's in contact with Peggy? Oh, and, yeah. um, I, and I have to say that usually the answer is once we have ascended to our present, our present reality, the, the soul configuration of energy and attention shifts and so the discrete personality we knew as Peggy and the discrete personality we knew as Spot 
are not there anymore. They have their right. absorbing into the one, reconfiguring so that they can come back on their spiritual journeys. Mm-hmm. And uh, people never get back to me and say, oh, I'm so sad or I'm so frustrated that that's not the case. But that that has been the case with me, that that they don't have. And sometimes the, the animals who are still here will say, you know, I really miss the energy. This The smell is different. The sound that I'm hearing is different. Uh-huh. Because the animals experience a much broader range of input, sensory input than we do. I There is an animal who I was just reading the other day who was disturbed because um, a cat, another cat in the household had gone walkabout. And when he came back, she said, he's different. He's mm. totally different. I don't like this presence. I don't like it at all. Mm. And so the two cats had a conversation and in, in the session. And the one cat said, I could change to go back to what I was for my dear sister. They were actually siblings. But that would cancel the whole reason that I went on the walk. That would negate the changes that I wanted to see in myself. Oh, and, and so that was an interesting thing to navigate, that they do miss each other. They notice what's different about the smell mm-hmm. in the house. And of course, when there is strife or any kind of anxiety among the humans in a house, right. the animals experience not just yep. loud voices, but they experience the jagged energy. They experience this, the scent the the lights are different. Everything is different for them. Listen, it's no different than the ones that are therapy animals that know when right. somebody's going to have a seizure oh, yeah. um, or they're working like to help with, um, you know, veterans that have PTSD or sugar. Um, they, they sense that they know, you know, probably on a higher level, it's like amazing. what their job is. Years ago, um, I went to do a group reading in, um, in Glenville. And I, I tell this story because not that I would say I'm an ego-based person, but I just never thought that I would have anything to do with connection to animals. Like I just didn't think that was going to be my thing. So when people would get into that with me, I'd be like, yeah, that's not my thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I see dead people. That's not my thing. <laughs> so I go to this house and beautiful, beautiful home. And it was very solemn um, within the home, not to say that a lot of times I don't go to readings and it's very solemn, but I got to the last reading and it was the owner of the home. And she said, I just want to know, and I'm going to use this name cause I can't remember the animal's name, but like, I just want to know if Ruby is okay. And I was like, Ruby. And she said, if you had been here a day ago, the entire house was set up like an animal hospital and Ruby died last night. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And she said, like, this dog was my world. I think she's a woman that may have gone through, like, kids growing up, but um, maybe, like, a divorce or separation. So the animal became, like, her partner. For life. And um, I, she, I said, well, just show me a picture because I really felt for her. And as soon as I saw the picture of the dog, I could see the dog running and happy, like really like wild, this dog. And she said, well, that's the way the dog used to be. But the last like year, the dog had been very sick. And, you know, finally we had to let go. And so when I went to leave, I'm not sure if I gave her in that session what she was looking for as far as peace. When I went to leave, I was on my way to a Christmas party, actually. And she took my hand and she said, if you see Ruby... If you get a message after, please let me know. And in my head, I'm thinking, lady, 
I, I know you're mourning this animal. I'm not going to see your dog. But I just said, <laughs> oh, okay. So I went to the party and I went home that night and all night I dreamed and all night I dreamt about Ruby. Oh. And Ruby was in every single part of the dream. Like I could have been having a dream like I was a colonial woman, you know, back in the day churning butter. And I turn around and there'd go this dog and I'd go, oh my God, look at the dog. And the dog would go running by. And then I'd go into the next dream and I could be working up on like a skyscraper. And I turn around and there'd go Ruby running by. <laughs> All excited, like with the tongue out, like a like a Labrador would do, like the the tromping and everything, like Good crazy, God, yeah. <laughs> like puppy energy. So the next day, I don't know if I called her, I emailed her and I said, listen, I said, I've got to tell you that I never expected that to happen. I said, but Ruby was in my dreams all night long, running around like a maniac, basically showing up like, oh yeah, I can show up. Just, just give me a second here. I can show up. (laughs) Yeah. Just watch your ego there for a minute. And um, so I I gave that to her and I can remember thinking to myself, that's really how it works. You know, if they're meant just like people, if that's meant to come through, if it's meant to be um that they have that soul connection or they want their their people to feel better they're going to let them know that's right that's that's absolutely right i had a a fun experience well it was a a client of mine, lovely client she had um a, a a lifelong dog i mean her entire adult life she this poodle lived to be 17 her name was tater tot cutest little thing and she'd come for the readings and I'd put a towel out for Tater Tot to lay on. She'd come in and lay down. And unfortunately, Tater Tot um, left her body, had to cross over. And my client came and she was grieving deeply. I mean, this dog had been everything to her. And I and when I reached out and I held my client's hands and I immediately downloaded a past life, which I happens to me during reading. Sometimes I saw my friend Laura in a past life and she was the Peruvian man. And I could see the mountains that only look like Peru. And then I look over and her little dog, Tater Tot, always wore a little scarf, little bandana. There is a llama standing next to her with a bandana on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a message from Tater Tot saying, I've been with you in this lifetime. I'll be with you again. I'm, I'm never far away. It was incredible. It was the well, that's sweetest awesome. thing. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. Right. What are some of the things, Leah, that you have had um, that like kind of what you were saying before that you walked away and you were like, wow, yeah, you know, from these animals and like maybe what they were saying even about their owners, but that really kind of blew you away as far as the concept or the dimension that they can give. Well, um, one of the things, the first thing that ever blew me away was I read a sheep. Oh. And this the person that john john was the owner and he called this sheep um junior (laughs) and when i introduced myself to the sheep i said hello and i said junior and he said actually my name is heffernan (laughs) (laughs) and and I was okay. And I, t- I listened to that sheep talk. That sheep was a philosopher. I could have gone in wow. and sat at that in the, in the stall where the sheep lived and just listened to him talk. He was so wow. smart. He just talked about things with such a great philosopher. And I said to John later, I said that, that I just would love to go and sit at his feet and listen. And he said, oh, I do that. And he didn't hear the words of the animal, but that the animal himself gave off such peace 
and mm-hmm. such wisdom that it flowed into John. Okay, that was number one. The thing that really amazed me, and then of course there was the horse that said, I greet you in the name of all divine beings. How can I yeah. help? Amazing. The most astounding thing I've ever heard was from an elephant. I was I was honored to be called to do a reading for an elephant who is in the process of being rescued mm. by the Global Sanctuary for Elephants. Oh, and wow. um, they wanted to make sure that she understood what would be required of her. They were going to be bringing in a big crate. She needed to be willing to go into the crate. Uh, and then she was going to have to go on this long journey to the sanctuary. So as I was listening to the elephant, for one thing, the ele- the quality of the elephant's intelligence was much bigger. It felt bigger and more expansive than other animals that I've read. It mm-hmm. felt calm and ex- like a flow of water over the land. Mm. Okay. So she said, how long will it take? I said, well, I don't understand your concept of time. Can you show me your concept of time? And so what I saw was the rising sun and Mm. then it would set and the rising sun again and it would set. And and then there was a song that came along with it that that she was hearing in her head that I heard in my head. And then I was looking through her eyes and I noticed that her eyes were seeing the past, present, and future of the current moment. Oh, interesting. That it, that it wasn't just like, oh, they're seeing a wide view because the eyes are on either side of the head. Uh, she was seeing, let's say we're looking at a mouse what, on, on the ground. What was the mouse doing yesterday at this time on the ground? What is the mouse going to be doing in six hours on the ground? She saw the whole thing. That's all incredible. at once. All at once. Multidimensional. Now, That's interesting. One one of the things that I've learned through doing this through the Soul Journey energy portraits is I will I'll interpret this. What I've learned in my head is there is no past, present, and future. It's all happening all at once. So that what we call mm-hmm. past lives are actually alternate realities, and I find this to have been very beautifully expressed in Jane Roberts' book, The Education of Oversoul 7. The idea that I'm looking at a painting on a wall and actually that painting expresses one of my other lives. And, And in that painting, there is a woman perhaps fishing in a stream, wishing that she could be in California listening to the wind, which is what I'm doing now. Anyway, that it's all one time, all happening all at once. Oh, that's so cool. And um, the other thing that blew me away was this elephant at the very, when she died, actually, she never got to be, simply wasn't healthy enough. She'd lived in a zoo for 42 years alone Mm. there and they're, they're, they're communal beings. Right. So she was living in pain and in loneliness for 42 years. And she, she just, you know, she said to me, she said, do I look like I have energy? You know, I say, do you have the energy to do this? And she said, who are you kidding? And she talked to me like my grandmother. And, uh-huh. um, and so at the very end, I connected with her after she had died. And she said some lovely things. One of them is she said, Elif- can I read it? Of course. 
She says, watch us and learn from us how we care for each other and care for human and know that it is the earth who is caring for you. Not just one species that bows before you and allows you to go first, all of earth. There is no end to love, but there is an end to sustenance of physical matter. And so while elephant and others will continue to bow and allow human to go first, when the body has been sufficiently depleted by lack of proper nutrients for the soul and the body, the individuated being must close down. I had to close down, even though I was heartbroken to be so close to the home I had looked forward to. I hope you all can believe me when I tell you that nurturing the soul of all beings, including Earth Gaia, will replenish the physical matter that human has stripped away. Do not hesitate to begin at this moment to open yourself to your lives completely. In doing so, you open to all life, and all life opens to you with unconditional love healing the planet. Wow. So what That's beautiful. said was, we look at what has happened because of climate change. We look at the deforestation that has happened. We look at the problems. This elephant is saying, just begin to love each other and care for each other. Open your hearts completely and you will heal the planet. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful. That's, That's so amazing. Powerful. That is amazing. Leah, if our clients want to get a hold of you, um, you had said your website before, let us tell them how they can reach out to you, whether it's through for spirit communication or for your energy portraits. Lovely. The best, really the best way to contact me is my email address and I'm going to give it to you right now. Okay. Okay. Lightspeak, L-I-G-H-T-S-P-E-A-K at gmail.com. And if you go to my website, which is lightspeak.com, there's a contact me place right there. Beautiful. Do you have any upcoming um, classes or things like that that you're going to be offering? I know you said you're working on your book. When do you see the book being done? Uh, You know, I I found an agent last July and um, he said, yes, we'd like we'd like this book. In October, I wrote him a note saying, so um, anything happening? he said, oh, we're at a book fair. Be patient. Well, I'm being patient. <laughs> and I'm, I'm asking spirit, shall I continue to try to find someone else? And they said, no. So I'm working on two other books um, while I'm mm. waiting. So I don't know when this book is going to be published, but that's it. And I, I'm not doing classes. I found okay. that I've, I've just needed to put my attention to other things. Mm-hmm. When I come Beautiful. to the capital region, I may do a class. Um, right. Uh, but I, I haven't made my travel plans yet. Well, let us, please let us know. And please, I, okay, does, I certainly the, will. does the book have a title yet? Uh, the book, the working title is how, uh, how Adam, how communicating with animals opens to the heart of the divine. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a good title. And I'm hoping, <laughs> that, I, I'm hoping that the publisher, when I find will suggest a better title. Okay. 
Yeah. We'll be looking for it regardless. <laughs> we are going to be looking for that. And I am so thrilled and, and happy that we got a chance to connect with you, especially on this topic, because so many of our clients have asked about it. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will give us a lot of great feedback. So oh, yeah. thank you so much for your time and your talent and years of friendship. I um, am, I'm, I'm just delighted that you reached out to me to do this. I'm thrilled. It was great to see you both. Aww. I miss you in the real thing. Miss physical. you, I know. I you then, then we're we need you to come back and do some energy portrait stuff too. I I certainly mm-hmm. will. I'll let okay. you know what I do. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you so much. Mwah. And thank you, Michelle, as always, for being my wonderful co-host and friend. And oh, thank you, Scott, for also being my wonderful producer and friend and co-host. You're welcome. and thank you to all of our listeners for sharing subscribing liking and sending us suggestions please keep writing to us and stopping us out in the public and saying love the show and make sure you do this so um it's a lot of fun connecting with people that are listening to our shows or binge listening to the shows so thank you all out there couldn't do this without you for sure and thank you again leah and i can't wait to talk to you again my pleasure if i could talk to the animals just imagine it, chatting with a chimp and chimpanzee. Imagine talking to a tiger, chatting with a cheetah. What a neat achievement it would be if we could talk to the animals, learn all their languages, maybe take an animal degree. I'd study elephant and eagle, buffalo and beagle, alligator, guinea pig and flea. I would converse in polar bear and python, and I would curse in fluent kangaroo If people ask me, can you speak rhinoceros? I'd say, of coceros, can't you? If I conferred with our furry friends Man to animal, think of the amazing repartee If I could walk with the animals Talk with the animals Grunt and squeak and squawk with the animals And they could talk If I consulted with quadrupeds